live from New York, it's Park Hopping Podcast number 35. Celebrating 10 years of posting Disney stuff on the internet. This is another crappy podcast production. Hi there, this is Alan of DisneyFans.com, and this is the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 35, the podcast that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that anyone can have their own podcast. Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast, I took you on an audio tour through the Yester Epcot Living Seas Pavilion, including a ride down the Hydrolators and on the Sea Cabs, both of which are gone now. This time, I really don't know what we're going to do, so let's just start out with a bit of park hopping housekeeping. But first, have you ever noticed how almost every podcast out there that gives out a telephone number gives out a phone number in area code 206? Well, 206 is in Washington. And I thought it was a bit unusual that so many podcasters would be living in Washington. In the Disney podcast area of the Potosphere, I still don't like that word, um, it's pretty evident that most of us aren't actually in Washington. There are a few exceptions, of course. Uh, Bob and Lou from the Beyond Main Street video podcast have a 402 area code from Omaha, Nebraska. And Jeff at the Meandering Mouse podcast has a 713 area code from Houston, Texas. But most of us are area code 206. Well, in my never-ending quest to understand all things pod, or at least some things pod, I, I decided to ask a friend of mine, Troy, over at RuttersRamblings.com, just what the deal was with all these 206 area codes. He had just added a phone number, and it was 206. I figure he knew. Well, I knew there was some service out there that was offering free voice and fax mailboxes, and I figured out that they were probably the ones located in 206 area code but I'd never bothered to look them up until the other day. So thanks to Troy saving me a Google search, I went over to k7.net and read up on them. Now, I'm not sure how they make money on offering this stuff free, but hey, what the heck, it's free. And peer pressure is a wonderful thing, so if you can't beat them, run away really fast. That's What am I, what am I talking about here? Oh, oh the, those 206 things, right, okay. I'd like to announce that now I, too, have a free 206 area code number for you to call and leave messages on. If you dial 206-2030-ACP, that's for another crappy podcast, you'll see that not only can anyone have their own podcast, but they can also have their own free voicemail box for getting audio feedback. Again, that number is 206-2030-ACP. That's 206-2030-227. Give it a call. I'll wait. Okay, maybe you can just call it later. Moving on. Um, have you noticed how in the past week or so, tons of us Dizcasters have been mentioning that Disney Podcast Network thing? You know, you know the one, DisneyPodcastNet.com, where all of us hang out and have a message forum for everyone to talk about specific podcasts or episodes or Disney parks? Yeah, you know, I noticed that too. Weird, huh? Well, speaking of, the Extinct Attraction Club has also joined up the uh, with the Disney Podcast Network and maybe a few others. It's it's just happened so fast. So go check it out because I'm sure by the time you download this and listen to it, if you do, there may be a few more signed up. Again, that's DisneyPodcastNet.com. Next on the list, the Park Hopping Podcast Listener World Map. I was checking it out today. Uh, there's a link to it from the front of anothercrappypodcast.com, and I wanted to acknowledge a few folks. First, hello to Professor Pepper in England, who says, Jolly good show! I have a fond spot in my heart for England. Any country that has pubs older than the United States of America gets my respect right there. Chris in Arizona writes, 
There's more than six people. Uh, yeah, I figure I'm up to about 35 listeners by now. W what episode are you on, Chris? Sounds like you got a lot of catching up to do. Hope I don't lose you by episode nine. And Cosmofur, I'm assuming that's not a given name. Cosmofur in Pennsylvania adds, well, looks like more than 20 to me. Apparently Cosmofur has gotten through more episodes than Chris. Uh, good deal, but, uh, you know, there's more to listen to. Play all you want. We'll make more. And of course, there's many others there, and it's really nice of you all, or y'all as they say it, let's talk about Disney, to take the time to add yourself to the list. And if you added yourself early on, drop back by. There's some new pin maps that you can select to better indicate what you're actually listening to. But I digress. And I'm not here today just to plug the Disney Podcast Network at DisneyPodcastNet.com or to mention my new voicemail line at 206-2030-ACP, nor am I here to say thanks to all those fine folks who are helping boost my fragile ego by sending me nice notes. Instead, I'm here to talk about... Oh, drats, I haven't figured out a subject for today. I was I was really just wanting to do a show so I can catch up with Paul at Window to the Magic. Oh, hey, that's it, that's it. That's what I'm forgetting. You see, back in Park Hopping 22, where I talked about Disneyland's Light Magic show, I made an off-the-cuff comment about how neat it would be to get Paul at Window to the Magic to do a feature show on the Main Street Electrical Parade. Now, if I were prepared today, I'd insert a tape rewindy noise, and then I'd play back the audio from that show, and maybe some from their show where they responded. But I'm not, so I won't. Anyway, this led to Patrick Hurd doing an entire episode on the evolution of this parade, including different variations of the theme song. But one episode wasn't enough, and soon uh, part two followed up with even more information. But you know, even after all of that, there are still many other tidbits yet to be discussed about this spectacular festival pageant of nighttime magic and imagination in thousands of sparkling lights and synthomagnetic musical sounds. So until we get a part three out of them, I'm sure they can beat a dead horse just as good as anyone else can, here's one of those tidbits I stumbled on a few days ago that I'd previously only read about. Now, as you may know, or may have heard, or may have read or not, after the parade left Disneyland for good, it made a special appearance on June 14, 1997, in New York in honor of the Hercules movie coming out. Now, don't feel too bad if you didn't know this. I visited several of the high-end Disney fan websites tonight and read through their parade pages, and none of them mentioned this. Now, I'm sure there's some that have, but the ones that I found didn't. Heck, even the Wikipedia doesn't talk about it. Well, it did indeed play in New York. I have proof now. And they actually turned out the street lights and did all kinds of things, marching bands, there were protesters, all kinds of fun stuff, to let this Main Street classic roll down the real-world streets of New York City. It was called the Hercules Electrical Parade, or something like that, and it involved the addition of characters and floats from um, Hercules. Now, I, I never had heard many details of this, I just assumed they made a new float and had to make some new music. Hadn't really thought about it. Well, thanks to Jeff Lang's wonderful home movies, I've now finally gotten to see the Hercules Electrical Parade in New York. And it was a lot more ambitious than I expected, actually. There were two really large floats added um, to the very beginning and a very nice mix of music from Hercules done up in classic Don Dorsey synthesized style. The one thing I was most curious about, whether or not they redid the intro voice, wasn't on the recording, so maybe they couldn't do it due to not having the parade route speaker systems or... Perhaps it just isn't on this tape or something. Anyway, since I don't have an episode ready for today, 
Instead, I'm just going to point everybody over to JeffLangDVD.com, and that's L-A-N-G-E, JeffLangDVD.com. So you can check out this disc for yourself, and in the meantime, here's a bit of the beginning of the Hercules section of this parade. Enjoy!
All right, and then it kind of turns back into the Main Street Electrical Parade that we know and love. After the Hercules floats at the beginning, then we saw the Blue Fairy that would normally be the uh, start of the original parade. It's pretty cool, and if you'd like to see the video that goes with this audio, drop by www.jefflangdvd.com, that's L-A-N-G-E, and be sure to tell Jeff thanks for letting me share this audio with you. This DVD also includes a taping of the parade from the Magic Kingdom in Florida from 1999. That was glowing, glowing gone in 1996. It sure did get around until it finally found a new home at Disney's California Adventure. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about how interesting it was that they could actually pull this off in New York. Now, this may not have been the case in the 1970s when the Main Street Electrical Parade started at Disneyland, but over the years, Disney's parade technology um, was pretty advanced. There was a um, set of speaker zones all along the parade route that could be controlled independently from wherever Disneyland's audio control system was. What this meant is they could lower the lights at the beginning of the parade route and start playing the intro, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And then the background music would start playing in that zone. While other areas of the parade route still had normal lights and normal park music, they were waiting for it to get there. Then as the parade rolled through that zone, the next zone would trigger. The lights would dim, the intro would play there, and so on. It would just kind of snake through the entire parade route at Disneyland or Disney World. It was a pretty clever system. And the speakers built onto the parade route on the, uh, you know, on buildings and posts, you know, wherever they were hidden, they would be playing the intro music and the background part of the Baroque hoedown, just the common part you hear through the entire parade. The parade floats themselves each played their own little soundtrack. And um, my understanding is that this was actually transmitted to the individual floats. They were tuned into different channels. Now, in later years, um, I really don't know. They might have gone to digital or, you know, whatever. But in... At least at some point, they were all being transmitted. So there was a master control center transmitting the section for the Pinocchio float, the section for um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the uh, section for Pete's Dragon, whatever it was, Alice in Wonderland. And the individual floats would tune into their particular frequency and play it. That way they didn't need to have playback equipment or anything on the floats, just a receiver tuned to a certain frequency. This is actually very similar to how audio is transmitted into the doom buggies at the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, I'll talk about that someday, maybe, if there's interest. So the parade route was really set up to do the zones, to dim the lights, to play the background music while the floats themselves just focused on playing whatever they were supposed to be playing. So how did they do this in New York? This is kind of the technical side, I wonder, because the parade floats were not designed for that. Either they had to put a transmitter along the parade route or uh, build audio playback into each of the floats. I mean, who knows? I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing to realize how were they able to take something that was designed to go on this parade route and, and do it somewhere completely different. So that's just one of the interesting things that, if anybody out there knows, I sure would like to know myself because um, you know, it's kind of neat what Disney can do. Anything can be done in the park, but when they can take something like the Main Street Electrical Parade and do it in New York City, well, maybe that's the real magic. So if you get a chance to pop out to Disney's California Adventure this season, you should be able to catch the Main Street Electrical Parade there in its new home. And if you're there, be sure to take an extra picture, shoot some extra video, because you really never know when something you like, love, or hate might go away and never be around again until it appears in New York or the Magic Kingdom, or Disney's California Adventure. 
And on that note, I think that'll do it for me this time, so be sure to visit DisneyFans.com, where you can browse over 29,000 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, and other theme parks across the country, including photos from the final year of the Main Street Electrical Parade at Disneyland before it went to New York, the Magic Kingdom, and then Disney's California Adventure, as well as download dozens of video files from the Disney parks. And if you want to talk about some of your favorite Disney podcasts or even the Park Hopping Podcast, drop by the Disney Podcast Network at DisneyPodcastNet.com and sign up for the discussion board. And if you want to drop me a note directly, my email address is podcast at DisneyFans.com. If you'd rather use the telephone, you can dial 206-2030-ACP. That's another crappy podcast. Again, the number is 206-2030-227, and leave me a voicemail. This has been the Park Hopping Podcast, show number 35, Hercules Electrical Parade. Thanks for listening. Another crappy podcast production. Be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting (sighs) podcasts. Oh, hey, while you're still here, did I mention that Brian from North Carolina got back in touch with me to claim his uh, trivia contest prize? If you recall, a couple of episodes back, I asked some question about where you could see wiggling toes at the Magic Kingdom in Florida. And sure enough, Brian wrote in and answered the question and said you could see the wiggling toes and Carousel of Progress. So I said I'd send him something as soon as he contacted me, and he finally did. I was afraid he wasn't listening anymore, but like uh, most of us, he was just backlogged with podcasts, and he eventually got in touch with me, and um, I sent him his disc. He picked the Disneyland one, which is kind of cool because it's got a lot of stuff on it including some hidden stuff. Uh, Speaking of which, the pledge drive here in the month of March is going along pretty nicely. That was for anybody who donated five or six bucks, I would send them a a thank you gift of one of my home movie DVDs, Disneyland, Epcot, Disney MGM Studios, or some of the 3D ones. 3D, it's a small world holiday, or 3D Haunted Mansion holiday. And if you're interested in helping out, you can go to another crappy podcast slash DVD and, uh, send in a donation and then you'll be sent one of the special thank you gifts that you request i guess that's pretty much it for now i don't know about you but i'm gonna fast forward through this and i'll uh, see you next time
podcast. This is not like Pirates of the Caribbean where there's a monkey at the end or anything.